G'day everyone, welcome back to the Talking Leadership Podcast Series. My name is Eric Perez, thank you for joining me again. Today I'm meeting with an individual who has an interesting work background and understands the leadership issue from multiple different perspectives. I'm very much looking forward to the discussion today. He brings many decades of experience in the local government sector and is currently the Chief Executive Officer of Grey Matter Solutions. Can I welcome to the podcast Chris Phillips? How are you, mate? Well, thank you, Eric. Mate, thank you for joining me. So let's start at why leadership and how did you get into that leadership space, Chris? Yeah, good good question. I was probably pushed into leadership rather than chose to go in there. I was thinking about this question and going right back to school days. And I, I remember vividly in the second last year of school, the principal of the school sitting me down and saying, Chris, we'd like you to be school captain next year. And my first response was no. And he was um, he was quite shocked by it, to say the least, that I would turn it down. Anyway, he spent the afternoon convincing me that um, I was worthy of being school captain. Not a huge school or anything like that. And it's, it's going back in the day where that sort of role was, as much as anything, was the public face. So it was speaking at the Anzac Day events and uh, at awards nights and, and those sorts of things. And, you know, the old upholding the school spirit. I actually didn't see myself as a leader, but obviously there was a cohort of teachers that um, that did. So that was where the, the journey started. I always knew in leadership that, or what we now term leadership, back then it wasn't actually uh, uh, a widely used term. What I uh, understood it was, was uh, about other people, not but not about you. So, so the fact that other people re- uh, recognise leadership in you is their right. Okay, that that uh, leadership is as much about followership as it is about uh, leadership. So, so that that was a big lesson to me, and I stumbled through that for the year. Made lots of mistakes. My mother said to me, I had to learn to get a poker face because I I was too expressive at times in, in my facial expressions behind the scenes. All those things that you do wrong when you're young. But yeah, that, that's where it all started, Eric. Chris, your definition of leadership? Quite simply, it's creating an environment for others to succeed. So it's not about you. Everyone that I've spoken to has a slightly different variation on the definition. So there is no right and wrong here. It's for... For me, uh, you know, I need to learn. I'm, I'm not as quick on the uptake as some people, so I need to ask questions to help my own learning get along here. And the, the creating the environment for others to succeed and grow, of all those definitions and the people that you've grown up around and worked with, why that one? What, why did that pull on your heartstrings as being the thing that is about core leadership for you? It ties to one of your other questions about measuring success, I think, Eric. the If we look at all, and we were having this um, chat off air, we look at all the definitions of uh, of success and how we measure um, success in life. In my opinion, it's not work and life. It is all life. If we have someone that can enable us and remove roadblocks, speed bumps, those sorts of things, encourage us, make us feel valued, heard, safe, all those pieces, then they're a true leader. So if I look at across the leaders that I've had, up until about eight or nine years ago, they, uh, I'd honestly call them all managers, not leaders. Uh, they were in leadership roles, but they were they were KPI focused. They weren't personal development focused. They weren't looking at how 
I could contribute to success. So they weren't creating an, an environment where I could succeed and therefore they succeeded, if that makes sense. So so I, I firmly believe, and I do it with my, my team here, I work with them, they don't work for, for me. I, I meet them where they're at and what they need. If they need a chat, they need a chat and, and we have it. If they need to vent, they need to vent. If they need some a perspective on how to do something from my my lengthy experience i i'll give them a perspective but i won't tell them what to do i'll just help them develop and grow and and they're bringing expertise to the table it makes me look good if they're good one of the things you bring up then i think it's important when when you're dealing with other adult human beings in any leadership role in any organization is trusting that the person you're dealing with or your teams have got expertise and they know what they're doing. They could just be looking for that right that signpost that says, yeah, the track I'm on is the right one or, oh no, maybe I didn't consider X, Y, Z. Yeah, thanks for that. And that's kind of your role as the leader. Whereas there, there is no issue with someone being a, a highly technical operations no. KPI focused manager. No. They're just not doing the, the that process of leadership and if that means that that individual is not helping develop their team or develop the environment in which they're working which you alluded to or not alluded to that you said before that yeah they're doing something but it's not necessarily the process of leadership or, or leading in their own right so that mate that makes a lot of sense to me now Chris, the next area, and this is this is one that I have I'm building more of an interest in because the there is a purpose to having a leader or leaders in an organization is that you're decision makers. And so that term lonely road of leadership, not mine, but I like using it. And so is it is it a lonely pathway or as lonely as you make it, Chris? It's as lonely I I firmly believe it's as lonely as you make it. The I too use the term, particularly I I, I do a lot of executive coaching for CEOs and founders and, and so on. Um, and I leverage the fact that it's lonely at the top. But my challenge, I guess, is to anyone is we can very quickly replace the word lonely with exciting, fulfilling. It, it's pretty special to to not literally light a fire under someone, but to to ignite their passion and watch them take off. And you have to get out of their road as they take off. I, I just reckon that that takes any of the loneliness thoughts um, out of it because it, it it feels special. I think the assumption there, uh, and, and I'll challenge me on this if you'd like to make it, this is the conversation. So the, we'll take it down this track a little bit. It'll be exciting for someone who's about developing other people. If you're a leader that's focused on getting achieving goals and then people are a secondary consideration, then maybe it's not so exciting. It's just, it's just part of a process where the delineation you've made there is for some being able to watch subordinates over you know surpass your skill sets and maybe be ready to go to take that next role somewhere else or to do something different is is part of that 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 growth journey does that that make sense it certainly does and and that's where we can't isolate leadership per se we have to look at our our success measures and they can overlap um and and of course the the next thing we were going to discuss is is measuring success in in leadership and success by definition, is collective result, right? So uh, it's partly the, you can be the, the total technocrat as long as you don't get, get um, uh, and the boss, if you like, as long as you don't get in, in the way of other people. 
by being that technically sound. So that that's the the, the slight nuance, the move from a technical leader to a a, um, a people leader, and they both go hand in hand. So you know, our tagline for Grey Matter Solutions is success is human. Um, we we can't achieve anything without uh, human beings contributing and the collective results we get from it. So you can be KPI-driven, but, but you you must recognise that you won't achieve KPIs by yourself. Do you think you've learned more from leaders with bad process or leaders with great process? Where's the learning been for you? The majority is with bad process, and that, that's partly, of course, the way our brains work. We've got, got a huge negative bias. So we're, I mean, otherwise the media wouldn't have a, gig would they right so because we've got such a focus on on the negative view it's very easy to go there and I, I, I think the positives have been more subtle and that uh, because they've allowed behavioral growth in me it, it's not as evident whereas a a bad leader the negatives are evident and it's generally where you've been prevented from doing something that you're particularly passionate about or or believe is the right direction, or or or, or you know, there's there's a number of things there. Um, so uh, the learnings, and, and we we find particularly with young, as we're developing as a business, young leaders, it's it's much easier for them to reflect on um, what hasn't worked well rather than what has worked well. But you you ultimately you get to that so that they they know what doesn't work right the build-up to the next topic area chris is around leader capabilities and this is where i have an interest not just as a um someone who's who's talking and, and creating content around this but from a research perspective as well what do you believe are the most critical leader capabilities you've encountered in what you might term effective leaders I mentioned before three words, um, and and they're, they're the premise behind my business uh, about creating an environment where people feel valued, where they feel heard, and where they feel safe. So to be a good leadership, for someone to feel feel valued, they they need to understand where they fit and what they contribute in whatever it is that they're doing at that at that juncture, whether it be the bigger picture of the business or a particular a project or a particular task. A, le- a good leader needs to have the, and, and look, pretty much this is understanding human behaviour and, and what floats majority of people's boat. The herd part is they need to be allowed and encouraged to have a voice. The That's not about them being right. That's not about them getting their own way. It's not about hanging them out to dry and them being wrong or any of that sort of thing. We, uh, we're tribal by nature and we contribute through our voice so we need to be uh, uh, heard and that's heard to be understood rather than heard to be just straight heard the other uh, behavior for uh, that i see for a good leader is creating that environment where they're safe to do the other two and it, it's uh, we, we hear a lot of rhetoric about failing fast failing quickly move on you know it's okay to make mistakes as long as you learn from them all, all those bits and pieces, but it, it has to be an environment where they feel comfortable. People feel comfortable because this is the development of trust in, in a team, in an organisation. It's really important that they feel as though, though everything that they do uh, will be logically considered. 
rather than emotionally considered. So, so they're not, uh, uh, not going to say something and be sacked for saying it, if it's a, a, appropriate, obviously. There, there's things behind it. So creating that, that valued, heard and safe environment is the uh, uh, capabilities of a really good leader. You'll, you'll have uh, variances in that where the, the safe environment is a case in point. Uh, we know for well uh, uh, there's a whole lot of legislation around safety uh, in general, and we're, we're making a big push at the moment into mental health and um, psychological safety and, and those sorts of things. So that, that's a morphing um, field and we'll have some restrictions on it or some expectations around it, uh, what safe uh, looks like. We also have a, a range of abilities of, of leaders uh, in those spaces. Some can, uh, can get analysis paralysis because they're so busy uh, hearing what everyone's saying and creating an environment of collaboration. And so it's a balance, you know. This space is going to change longer term. I'm, I'm fascinated by this idea that we have to now think about as part of your leadership toolkit, whatever that toolkit might include, the creation of or the maintenance of a psychologically safe space. That for me can be fraught with danger because the workplace is a social arena and the leader is not part of every social interaction in that space. And so where I think this will get dicey and, and potentially legally dicey is two employees have a cracking go at each other and say some really inappropriate stuff. You weren't there to witness it. If you've created a, a safe psychological space and they've gone at it, then to what degree are you culpable for incidents of that nature? And it, it could be an innocuous discussion that's gone wrong versus something something in an area that is just unacceptable. For example, uh, sexist comments, racial comments, things that are not appropriate in any workspace. That you know, you can make a safe, you can make a space as psychologically safe as you can, and there will still be human beings that are so stupid that they will say and do and behave in ways that are just not appropriate to the context. So again, I'm, I'm talking macro level i think it, it's a fascinating space what the rules around that how that will play out will be interesting because however it plays out leaders will either choose to shape what that looks like or they will have to just enable it and and consider reviewing in their own workplaces what that might look like so yeah it's a it's a classic case isn't it that uh, and, and we often see this we wait for a legislation to come out to tell us what to do rather than applying the legislation and being really clear on what the boundaries are and that's a leadership function is building that space so so people know when it's appropriate and not appropriate they know if and when there's consequences for inappropriate they create an environment where they're rewarding good behaviors not just calling out bad uh, we have a program called catching people out where we encourage people to to build on those things that they want to see more of by calling it out. Don't just wait for someone to do the wrong thing. There's uh, all those. That's why why early on I talk about it as creating the environment. Um, there's certain rules around that environment, and that's the other thing that we need. Um, uh, our brains need, in particular, is certain. So so we need to know the space that we can play. And our people need to know the spaces that they can play and not play. What's appropriate, what's not, all that sort of stuff. 
Yeah, and that's uh, mate. We could go down the rabbit hole of that one, but but we won't because this no. uh, this this podcast is about you. So let let me um let me get us back on track. And the next Sorry, question's no, around. No, 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 no. Look, I, I I'm I'm guilty uh, in a lot of these podcasts because I know that there are discussions linked to leadership that we could we could spend a lot of time doing. What I meant to say is you've helped me identify another area that will potentially become a hot button discussion area because that that intersection of what is the leader truly accountable for and what his or her people are accountable for is is amazingly interesting to me like i i and i think naively i think when you go to the workplace there's there has to be that sense of what common sense is when you walk through the door and the last thing i would want to see and let, let's use my well we use myself as an example let's call him mr smith walks into his workplace and drops a racial slur that that shouldn't be dropped that and and someone of that racial group takes offense obviously there's very little wriggle room there to say look how can we talk to you about not saying that stuff anymore you just said it for whatever reason and suddenly the, a person's taken offense and you're like how do you control for some very basic things that shouldn't be said or interactions that shouldn't happen in a workplace um you know sexist comments is another one that comes to mind and and these things as much as i would hope don't happen probably happen in most modern workplaces on a regular basis and i think where the art of what people like you do and, and other leaders that I've spoken to is how do you navigate that to get an outcome that addresses the needs of the person that's been aggrieved in the process and the person who's maybe potentially stepped over a line. And I think where this gets interesting, at least for me, is if there's a process in your business to deal with it, then everyone gets some, hopefully some procedural fairness. But in a lot of businesses, there is no process wow. to deal with it. And you can jump to outcomes or, or punishments almost immediately. And that's not good either because there could be some context to what led to X, Y, Z. So like I said, absolutely. <laughs> Often, um, often we uh, we treat the symptom, not the cause, and and we look at uh, even the whole space of domestic violence. We're we're symptom dealing at the moment rather than getting behind it and um, and looking at at working with what's behind it. And some of our cultural uh, challenges, cultural issues, and cultural inappropriateness, there's there's more behind it than there is that we're seeing manifest in a comment a slur or um, something totally inappropriate so chris the nature versus nurture question are leaders born or are they made it's a great question and my backstory would suggest that uh, maybe it was nature because i didn't recognize it but there is uh, no doubt that unnurtured and unactioned to remain contemporary in leadership uh, as our understanding of human behavior human brain in particular increases daily that um, if we don't nurture it then we've got nothing is there a nuance there i'd love to get your feedback on this i believe people choose to be a leader or they choose not to be is it as binary as that or is it if you give someone the environment to think about that choice before they make it then maybe they will 
be better informed before they make that choice. So I, I always think it's a binary. Some people have got leadership skill sets that are, they've just got this X factor, but being a leader to them is the last thing they ever want to do. They just want to do their job and go home. They don't want any of the responsibility. Yet for some that you might meet that don't have those X factors, really want to try at the skill of being a leader and want to give it a go and develop themselves. So it's your thinking around that. It's interesting uh, for me it, it, what you define leadership as become becomes a real point. The in in Australia we we go uh, particularly in a work sense we go for roles from a monetary sense as we progress. We we look at a hierarchy and believe that not everyone but a lot of people believe that they need to become CEO right uh, and there's a pathway to doing that. I don't think they sit there in the initial stages, and I certainly didn't sit there in the initial stages and say, uh, I, I'm going to grab this position because uh, that uh, I can do leadership. Uh, I, I'm going to grab that position because it, at my stage in my life, I need extra money in the bank account because I've got kids coming or um, buying a house or whatever. I'll make do with the rest of it. That Whatever the, the role throws at me, I'll, I'll do it because I firmly believe technically I can, um, uh, I know enough about it uh, to do it. I, I challenge the thought that people sit back and say, I'm going to take that role as uh, because I'm going to be a leader. The, even I, I think back to my, the roles I played in, in kids' sport, it was usually thrust upon you because no one else would do it and, and it ne- needed to be done. So you then made a fist of whatever it was, whether it was a, a, a coach or a trainer or a um, secretary or whatever um it's just because someone needed to do the role and then the rest of it came with it and you you made a fist of it i I don't think there's too many people out there that actually truly consider the leadership and we don't promote what the leadership element is uh, of a different role what i've heard from previous guests is in situations where you get someone who's a highly technical expert in an area in a business suddenly gets tapped on the shoulder and they're asked to become a, a manager or a leader of a section and it's nothing that they ever wanted so that reluctant leadership story that you're telling but the the owners of the business or the ceo wants to promote you and it's the last thing you ever wanted to do so it's at that point you've got to make a decision like you said if it's potentially more money or it moves you to something different yes but i think what has come up quite often is there is sometimes very little consideration given given to the people element of being in a leadership role which is away from the technical and that i think happens more often than not not because there's there's a, a machiavellian thing from the head of the business to say hey i'm gonna make your life difficult i think there's just an assumption if you've been in a place for a certain amount of time that you understand the dynamics of the business and that includes the people whereas i think that's sometimes a very dangerous assumption to make but it happens i mean it happens Oh yeah, absolutely. The the only true industry I've come across that um, uh, allows for the technical to remain truly technical uh, is the NASA model of management, where you've got rocket scientists, right? And and because it's a circular model, the person that's actually leading uh, the team of rocket scientists, so to speak, is not necessarily the highest paid person but they're the highest skilled in that, as are the rocket scientists, highest skilled in, in theirs, 
and often the highest paid as as a result. There's room for both. It become and, and your point about founders and CEOs wanting to reward people. Uh, we need to include the people we're wanting to reward in what reward looks like. Looking back on your career, and I'm not saying it's over by any stretch of the imagination, yeah. what would you <laughs> what would you say to a younger version of Chris Phillips about being a more effective leader? The one piece of advice I'd give would be to listen to others more. And that can be an, an observation rather than the true uh, hearing being told piece, uh, so that you're you're looking for what works well earlier rather than just pushing through. I've, I've done, and through my career, I've had a lot of positions where I've just pushed through, right? Where uh, because of my position and my thoughts around how decision-making works, that, um, that often I created an environment that slowed things down uh, rather than sped things up. The second thing and second most important thing uh, would be make a decision when you need to make a decision. There's no, uh, you know, it'll be based, as long as you base it on uh, on intel, on data, and then be prepared if that data changes to change your decision. That'd be the two key things, Eric, I think. No worries, Chris. Chris, before we go, what do you do at Grey Matter Solutions and how can people get in touch with you, mate? We've obviously got a, a, a website and all the socials um, for Grey Matter Solutions. So that's probably the website is probably the easiest way to get in touch. Matter is spelled M-A-T-T-A. What we do is we help businesses grow through their people. So we do leadership, we do strategy, we do all sorts of things, all people related, all based in neuroscience, uh, human behaviour, um, all, all back-ended by that. So as you can appreciate, it changes regularly with the uh, the way technology is growing and our understanding of humans and the human brain. So it's a, it's a terribly exciting space. And we, we love to see businesses succeed and people succeed, obviously. Chris Phillips, CEO of Grey Matter Solutions, thank you for your time, mate. Thank you, Eric. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been the Talking Leadership Podcast. Thanks, everyone, and I'll catch you all on the next podcast.